The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we get started, a reminder, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? It's only 2.6 carbs and 96 calories. Wait, no, that's wrong. It is 95 calories. I would never say that Michelob Ultra has more calories than it actually does. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Okay, welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan. We are going to take a look at the trade deadline by looking at basically which players we think will get the largest return on the trade market. Try to put those uh, in order, but obviously that's a great vehicle to just talk about the teams uh, that are looking to make moves and the players that will be available. This is also our maiden voyage here on Locker Room. So what we're going to do there is just do our normal show. You can listen to it live here on Locker Room for our normal period an hour or so and then for 20 or 30 minutes uh, we will take some of your questions get into our discussion uh, on this unique platform as well so stick around uh, for that but it'll just be the show for the first uh, hour or so hopefully that will be of interest to you if not if you want to just interact then uh, come back in 50 minutes or so but john uh, let's get started here with this trade market and before we get into the individual players do you, do you have any comments just uh, based on discussions that you've been having or your overall observations of what this trade market may be like yeah so one of the interesting things is that i wrote about this on monday that the buyout market in a lot of ways is the enemy of the trade market in other words Teams will hold back on trades if they perceive that they can get roughly similar quality in the buyout market. And I think that could have at the low, it's ne- never at the high end is this a factor, but at the low end it is. When you're talking about like, oh, should I do a second round pick for this guy? Well, if I can get somebody just as good on the buyout market, I'm not going to bother. So I think we're seeing already that there's going to be some good players probably on the buyout market. Like Andre Drummond, I don't think his contract is tradable. I think that one ends in a buyout. LaMarcus Aldridge, despite the Spurs protests to the contrary, I think that one ends in a buyout just because it's matching that salary is really complicated. And are you going to do that in a situation where you're giving up an asset? I mean, probably not. How many teams can even realistically do that? So I think already you're seeing some situations. Uh, there's a couple other guys too who have been, you know, kind of held out of games or whatever where, where you kind of know where this is heading. So because of that, that could have a chilling effect on 
kind of the low level of the trade market where you're talking about second round pick for player X to help us for the playoffs. I think a lot of those are going to end up going to buyout situations in- instead. Yeah. By the way, uh, unmute yourself uh, on locker room, John, because um, the, they couldn't hear you there. But uh, just hit that little microphone again on your uh, yeah, desktop sorry about app. That. Quite all right. But that's uh, that's the beauty of locker room. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what John was talking about before then is, and he wrote a, a piece about this too, is the chilling effect that what's expected to be a more robust buyout market from guys like Andre Drummond, LaMarcus, who just have contracts that are too big to trade i guess that's kind of the opposite of of too big to fail uh but uh, contracts that are too big to trade and so teams will say hey why are we going to give up a second rounder for your guy when we can just get this guy on the buyout market or think that we can that was something that we really experienced in memphis when we had garrett temple on an expiring contract and we thought he was a pretty good chip that somebody would be willing to give us at least a second for him and what happened was that Wayne Ellington and Wes Matthews hit the buyout market. <laughs> and so the bottom fell out of our market for Garrett Temple at that point. Teams just like completely stopped calling us. So uh, I, I've seen that happen in, in real life. So I, I expect that's what's going to happen uh, for the big man market, especially where we've already had the buyout with Blake and there's probably more coming with Drummond and Aldridge. Yeah, I, I remember it at the time killing you guys for not getting more for Garrett Temple and Jamaica green who actually ended that, up really that was a great to that was a great trade for us because we got the eight million dollar trade exception which ended up being part of the conley deal which ended up turning into a bigger exception that took in iguodala and a first round pick uh and then the other leftover piece of that exception brought in uh melton and a second round pick from phoenix so that that trade really set us up really well so g- given that we had no draft pick market for either player i i was pretty pleased with how that one ended up yeah i i didn't see that coming so i i consider this my formal apology for, <laughs> that's yeah, for, that's for, okay uh, no we got we guys. got pa- we got panned for that trade and i i, I mean th- there were other moves certainly that happened that deserved panning and we won't get into all of them but that that was one where i thought we got a raw deal yeah well and i mean and frankly the clippers got a great deal too to get those two guys who were in their playoff yeah. rotation and yeah yeah it's a win-win and, and and they they got a nice run in the playoffs they got some positive pub you know who knows whether they sign Kawhi if they just miss the playoffs or they get swept by golden state that year Eh, they probably still would it seemed like that was that was in the mix beforehand but uh maybe they don't get paul george so uh yeah that that's a really fascinating so let's talk a little bit about some of these specific players available and there's kind of different types of players who are available there's the all right this guy's on an expiring contract we'll take anything for him division there's the kind of harrison barnes Aaron Gordon division of guys who are you know the team doesn't have to trade them but they're not really going anywhere this year and they're on longer term deals and but you know for a team that's not going anywhere does a a kind of complimentary wing really do much for you but you're gonna have to bowl us over there's that type of division and then there's the head do we really want to play this pay this young guy in the summer division as well but among all those divisions where do you think who do you think will get the highest return and obviously you can cool about that what that is too but who do you think will get the highest return on this year's trade market of guys who are actually available i'm gonna say john collins 
So you you predict that John Collins will move, huh? It's it's hard. It's more complicated to do a trade with him. So I don't know if he actually moves. But if he does move, I think he's going to have the highest return. I think I think he'll generate more of a return than Harrison Barnes. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And part of that I think is just due to who the suitors are. For John Collins, I would guess that if he does get moved, it's to a team that's pretty much either around where the Hawks are, or maybe even a worse team. Than yeah, the I would Hawks agree with are. That. Yeah. Where whereas Barnes or Gordon, they're probably going to a Portland or a Boston or a Miami, yeah. and those are good teams, and so they kind of just don't have as much to trade. If we're talking about draft picks, obviously Miami has some good young guys in that, and actually so does Portland that has some interesting young guys that uh, maybe should be talked about more. So yeah, that that's really interesting to me. Who do you think you know, if you are running a team? Where does John Collins fit? Sam Amick, your colleague, reported that he's looking for $25 million a year. He turned down four years, $90 million, uh, as an extension in the offseason. So where, what is the team that wants to give up, you know, maybe not a high lottery pick, but maybe a low lottery pick to get him? That seems like what the asking price is. And then obviously also pay him that money in the offseason. That's the most interesting question because we don't know because you also are thinking to yourself a little bit like, well, it sounds like we could just play chicken with these guys in the offseason and and sign them to a max, not give up any draft picks and the Hawks might flinch because they, they seem to be a little nervous about that. Uh, like Charlotte, for instance, if you were Charlotte, wouldn't you take a, try to take a run at Collins? So he's going to play the four for you in the future. Maybe, maybe play some five kind of, he'll be, just... he'll be your, your four and a half. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that's what P- he is. PJ so Washington will right. be your five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have had some success with those PJ at the five lineups, but obviously that's mostly going against backup units or kind of in these crazy comeback attempts at the end of games. Yeah, Char- Charlotte's in such an interesting position because, yeah, LaMelo is good now, but are you really in a position yet where you want to be giving up future picks? Particularly because to me, they, now maybe if they get John Collins, this changes, but to me, they're kind of, they might be at a little bit of a, a false peak right now at 2018 and you know things kind of go sideways the rest of the year and they end up in the play-in and they don't make Mm -hmm. the playoffs do you want to be giving up that pick where they've you know they've had some decent success drafting in that 10 to 14 range and that's probably where they'd be again and you know is it is it worth i guess who who are you i mean charlotte's got a lot of cap room again this summer and yeah so they'd probably be in another situation where they were this past summer with hayward where they're going to overpay somebody um to get them to come there probably i mean of the players you could overpay isn't john collins right near the top of that list in terms of where he is on his track as a player in terms of his age and then where he fits positionally with the other guys that are there especially ball and hayward so i think that's a really interesting one there are two ways you could do it one you could you know you could trade that first round pick too what what about pj washington for john collins or a pj washington and some other stuff for john collins yeah that's interesting washington he had that 40 point game uh he kind of sucks on defense though i think that's something that is starting to become clear to me and you know you might be worse than john collins 
Collins in the end, frankly. And Collins yeah. has looked better defensively. He's been able to move his feet a little more on the perimeter. Playing next to a real center, I think, has really helped him on defense. Probably hurt him on offense, which is uh, as yeah. as a 4.5, that's kind of your problem there. And certainly John Collins and LaMelo would be a, a pretty devastating combination with Hayward, the shooting of Rozier. I mean, that, that could end up being one of the best offensive teams in the NBA pretty quickly, although I would wonder how the hell they would stop anybody. But I, I wonder that about Charlotte now anyway. Yeah. 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 And, and the other interesting question about Collins to me is you said, hey, why give up an asset now when you could just sign him to a max in the offseason? The counter argument to that, I'm not sure which of these I would think would be better. The counter argument to that is, well, if you trade for him now, then everybody knows like that, that in and of itself, the fact that you traded for him will chill the market for him. Oh, it'll scare everyone off because they, because they know you're going to match. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I mean, from, from the situation we were in, we would read that as don't even bother. Don't waste the three days on an offer sheet. Move on to something else. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's that aspect of it. And then there's also the, the, the aspect that, so the market is chilled. Now you don't have to pay him a max in the off season. If his salary demands are 25 million a year, you know, four years, a hundred million, that's not awful. That's a, a lot less than the max would be. And it's not yeah. a five year deal either. And you're also just assured of getting him. If you, if the Hawks are putting out there, who knows whether it's true or not, that they would reluctantly match a max. Offer, <laughs> right. I thought, what is, I what is was, that? Is that I the most? I, I can't remember a, a more lukewarm endorsement for a team's <laughs> own player. Usually, usually you go out there like full bluster, and then you know, and then you know, basically demand people call your bluff. <laughs> this this situation's yeah. more interesting. Yeah, well, he he's available, so uh, so so it's possible that he might have more value to another team than the Hawks for that reason. And is it worth giving up a first round pick to have a hundred percent chance of John Collins on a twenty five million? dollar a year contract versus a 50% chance of John Collins on a max if you sign him in free agency. That's interesting. Also, I think you would want to try to get an understanding of whether, you know, if you make him that offer in the offseason, he's going to accept it as well. And he may also just want to be away from Atlanta and away from Trey Young and just be be happy about that too. Anybody else other than Charlotte that you see as a possibility for Collins? Uh, so one of the other possibilities you put in your head is, well, if you're not going to have the cap room, then trading for him makes sense, right? You acquire his bird rights so you can resign him because you're not going to be, you're not going to have the cap room to do it. So, you know, you look, I mean, Sacramento's front court is pretty crowded, but like, could they take a shot at him? Uh, like a, a challenge trade Bagley for Collins or something? Um, I, I don't think the Hawks would want to do that. John Collins is like the good version of Marvin. And Bagley, <laughs> and, you know, and he also <laughs> right. stays healthy as well. I mean, that's that's obviously been been a big problem. You know, San yeah. Antonio has been talked about uh, for him as a potential suitor in the off season with their max cap space. I mean, the other option you would have too is maybe just go for him in the sign and trade in the off season, and maybe the price for him in the off season in a sign and trade is lower than it would be now. That's, yeah, that's if, another possibility for you. Because if if the Hawks know he's getting a max, then they would have an incentive to play ball, generate the huge trade exception. Uh, you could you could make a case for that, sure. I mean, if he does a max, they don't they don't get the whole thing in the exception, but they get like fifteen million out of it. Well, John, since you decided to mention him first, I can tell you all that John Collins is. The McLoob Ultra Player of the Week. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. So hopefully if a team trades for John Collins, they will enjoy it. But with 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, you'll enjoy McLoob Ultra. Joy creates success. Enjoyment is the end game. 
It's the whole game. Are you happy because you win? Or do you win because you're happy? Michelob Ultra. So it may be time soon for you to be back out there. Back among society. That is what we all hope for. And our sponsors, Manscaped, are going to be an important tool for that, potentially. Manscaped, the best in below-the-waist men's grooming, want to remind you to fill out your bracket and also remind you that their precision-engineered tools for your family jewels will help you turn that Kentucky Wildcat into a South Carolina Gamecock. Manscaped is now trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and there's an exclusive offer for our listeners 20% off plus free shipping with the code PER, easy to remember because John invented it, at manscaped.com. Whether it's the Lawnmower 3.0, their best trimmer ever, which helps reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. And that's part of their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, including the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver, and two free gifts a pair of high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs, and a travel shed bag to store all of your grooming goodies. And no, too, joking aside, this purchase goes towards a good cause. They've partnered with Alex Caruso and the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PER at manscaped.com. And remember that every purchase at manscaped.com goes towards contributions made to the Testicular Cancer Society. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code PR be the best ball handler this year with manscaped yeah I think Chicago actually could be another interesting destination for John Collins it, kind of these young teams looking to take another step but ultimately to me John Collins is a guy who can sort of help get you to where Atlanta is right now just to it, but the his positional issues defensively and I've liked him in the post I think teams should give him that a chance a little bit more but I also don't necessarily see him as you know, he's really more of a complimentary offensive player so that's interesting um my guess for who will get the the largest return and again we could talk about whether two low first round picks is worth as much as a pick in the 10 to 14 range which kind of seems like where Collins would go right. uh, and we'll see what the, the salary matching for him would be as well yeah, I kind of would prefer two first round picks that are a little bit lower than one pick in the 10 to 14 range personally just because you can kind of break those assets up for the future or you can use both of them and I I'd ex- I think the expected value of two picks that are like 21 is probably higher than one pick in the 10 to 14 range historically mm-hmm. obviously depends who you, who you draft I, it, I would torn between either Kyle Lowry or Harrison Barnes in terms of, of the return uh, those are the two guys who got yeah. the biggest return in our mock trade deadline that sure. uh, I did with with KP and Feldman and Danny I think I think Kyle Lowry's return is more like a first and a second I, I have trouble seeing two firsts for him is that worth deal. it for Toronto is that worth it for Toronto to do when is that enough to where you want to a trade a franchise icon and b just you know kind of punt on playoffs for for this year where they might still be able to make a little bit of noise I mean, if you so if you replace Kyle Lowry with Danny Green, right? Because I mean, Philadelphia is the place where you'd end up, right? I mean, seems that in way. Most in most scenarios, how how much worse is Toronto? How how badly does that impact their playoff hopes? Because if you're just talking about making the playoffs in the East, like the, I mean, they could probably do that, right? Like, is I, I don't see them winning around either way. Yeah, it depends uh, on the matchup, uh, but I mean the other thing they could do is just you know maybe go the other way and try to get one more piece 
uh, because I mean, there's base other than the centers. It's the same team that uh, almost beat the Celtics last year in, in the second round and, and was really good and won, you know, 58 games or whatever. And they've been wrecked by, they were just starting to play better. And then they got wrecked by COVID again and Lowry's still playing well. So I do think there's a little bit of internal leverage with Toronto. Now, would that change if Kyle Lowry says, Hey, I would just like to be in Philly, Messiah Ujiri. So please trade me. And I, you know, probably not going to stick around here. I want to be on championship. That, that's the biggest thing is what's in the tea right. leaves for, for, you know, would, would he resign next year to be part of really, I mean, if, if he resigns, there's not, there's not the cap room to do a whole lot else. So you're probably signing up for more of the same. So. I don't know. I just, I just think Toronto has always been a little more ambitious than that. And I think in, in this case, getting assets for Lowry before they could either lose him or sign him for his decline years. I, I think that's probably the right move for them. Even if, even if they want to launch ahead and, and flip those assets next year to get more players. I, I just think that puts them in a better spot going forward into 22 and 23 as they try to build around Siakam, Ananobi, Van Vliet, and and whatever else they can acquire. Yeah, obviously they bring him back. They are pretty much done in, in the cap space derby. And Cal Lowry probably is going to get a three-year, $60 million contract at minimum, assuming he continues to maintain this level of play and doesn't get hurt the rest of the season, even though he is 35. So that's, yeah, yeah do, you, do you want to do that? Maybe not. And also, let me ask you this, actually. You might have better read on this than me. How how much, if anything, does it play in that Masai still doesn't have a new contract? His contract expires this summer. I wonder if that's something, on, you mean like on Lowry's end, if that's something he's thinking about. Well, well, I, I think more just about the Raptors thinking and maybe Masai's thinking uh, himself. Or Lowry's end too. I mean, yeah, whatever. Any, I think for, for you know, from Masai's end, I mean, I don't think his place in the market changes much, whether he's a seven seed or a five seed or a nine seed, right? He sure, he's, yeah, he's kind of a made he, man at this resume. point, right? Yeah. So I, I, I don't think that really shifts the equation much. I, I do think there might be a, a thought process on his end that I don't want to leave the covered bear, would you know, for these people if I do go. Yeah, I, I guess it, it probably. I don't know that it would change things that much um yeah it's uh, i i mean i think it really my prediction on that is just it's all going to come down to what kyle kyle wants and because if he doesn't specifically say i'd like to be moved then all of a sudden it's like all right i think now you really have to pull us over you know maybe it is more than a first or a second or you know it could also be a future first from philly and one of their you know either maxi or thibault Maybe maybe that right right you know, right yeah. yeah no that's 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 another one. a first plus because one of those guys almost has to be in the deal for the salary match and so if you do a first plus Thibel then then maybe that gets gets things to an agreeable place what do you see as the value of, of Maxi and Thibel on the trade market uh. Okay, I mean, you know, could they <laughs> could they trade one of them for another late first? Maybe. Uh, usually, usually guys until they really establish themselves between the point they're drafted and the point that they really establish themselves as something, they usually don't have a whole heck of a lot of trade value because if a team liked them that much, they would have picked them ahead of you. Yeah, the actual pick and the optionality of that pick is way more valuable than the player you end up taking with that pick. Yeah, so so if you're Toronto, you'd probably rather have two future first protected you know two future lotto protected firsts uh than a first and one of those guys 
Uh, yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would. Yeah, I will I say. I mean, Tybal in Toronto with the way Nick Nurse likes to play defense, though, like that—that's kind of intriguing to me. Yeah, I. I mean, you're starting to get to where you know who's going to play offense for this team, because like, <laughs> right. you're, you're you're like I, I, if you're going to start Thibel, then like you know he's playing the two probably. <laughs> you know, maybe you could get away with some zones with Siakam at center. They've had some yeah. success with that. But, well, I mean, you're you're, yeah, you're getting probably, Danny Green yeah. too, so so you're starting him. But are, are yeah, you saying yeah. like? I'm talking about next year. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So what have you been doing with your time this last year or so? If you're like me, maybe you've exhausted essentially everything on television right now, but you still need to do something for some entertainment. So why not also learn something at the same time with Masterclass? They now have over 100 masters doing these classes. They've got Steph Curry on shooting and ball handling, Serena Williams on tennis, Tons of cooking classes, including Alice Waters, who basically invented farm to table here in California, in my current abode of Berkeley, California. Margaret Atwood, my wife took that one on writing. You can either just watch these cinema quality lessons on their own, or you can really get deeply into it and start to learn this craft. All of these lessons come with downloadable materials, exercises that you can do. I highly recommend checking it out. You can get unlimited access to every masterclass and 15% off an annual membership as a Hollinger Duncan listener. Go to masterclass.com slash PR. Easy to remember because John invented it. That's masterclass.com slash PR for 15% off on Masterclass. So I had Jeff Stotts on my other podcast, Dunk Dom. A lot of you know him. He's an athletic trainer, also does a great NBA injury breakdowns. He's got this huge database. And we were just talking about, hey, as, as a weekend warrior who doesn't have a lot of time to devote to your body, what is the best thing that you can do to just keep your body feeling good in the limited time that you have? And one of the things that he mentioned, and one of the things that I brought up to him as well, is Theragun. Theragun gets to the source of your pain by removing adhesions, releasing tension. I find it actually works better better than getting a massage and it's also a lot more economical than that as well and now with the theragun gen 4 it is super quiet it's like the volume of an electric toothbrush and considering the power of this percussive therapy that is pretty incredible they've got this new oled screen as well the theragun app suggests guided routines it learns uh, from your behaviors it's now trusted by 250 professional sports teams like real madrid lead athletes like paul george andre hopkins maria sharapova and me it has really helped me to be able to still do the workouts that i want to do without feeling all these tugs and, and adhesions and tightness in my muscle you can try theragun for 30 days for free as well starting at only 199 dollars. so you don't have to take my word for it give it a shot everyone that i know who has one thinks it's just unbelievable i took it on this ski trip that i went on everyone wanted to use it and you can try theragun for 30 days starting at only 199 dollars. so no risk to you just give it a shot you're not going to regret it this is the best money that you can spend to keep your body going and you can go to theragun.com slash PR to get that discount, easy to slash PR because John invented it. And you go to theragun.com slash PR right now, get your Gen 4 Theragun today, and you're just going to feel better for all of your athletic activities. That's theragun.com slash PER. Yeah, so so Lowry is up there. I mean, what about Barnes? Barnes to me, and this is, I can't believe it's taken 23 minutes into this show for me to bring this up, but I think the, and this has even shown up in some of the reporting about this as well, the Robert Covington type package right mm -hmm. like who is the the wing who's a solid starter you know above 
above-average starter for his position, who's under contract for a couple of years, um, or, or maybe not a wing, maybe he's a four, but you know, kind of a, a solid two-way guy, not a star, but you got him under contract for two more years. Robert Covington is kind of now has established the market for that kind of player twice. <laughs> I might add, yeah, really, uh, as as you know, kind of being two first-round picks that are lottery protected, and so. I would imagine if teams want to get Harrison Barnes or you could throw Larry Nance into that as well. Um, you know, there's been, hasn't been as much buzz about him, but I think, you know, if you're Cleveland and you can get two first round picks for him, given where you are as a franchise with having already been ruled out of the playoffs, but by Nate Duncan and John Hollinger, <laughs> you, you know, your present is, is, uh, is not great. So I, I think you would certainly have to listen to the Robert Covington type package. Uh, yeah. but do you think that's, that's what it's going to take to pry away Barnes or Larry Nance if he is available? Those I think from, two from th- a good yeah. from a good team, it has to be two first because a single pick in the twenties just isn't enough to move the needle. Yeah. So I I agree with that. I mean I I mean the one that's just hanging out there like a slider out over the plate is Tristan Thompson and two firsts from Boston for Harrison Barnes into the Hayward exception, right? And there are yeah. all variations and other players you could throw in and whatever, but that's the basic kernel. And I I think that one that I mean that one to me just helps both teams so much that it's it's hard for me to see it not happening at this point and i'm not saying that based on reporting i'm just saying i'm just looking at the landscape and like guys like why wouldn't you do this well two first round picks is a lot to give up um and burning that trade exception is also a lot to give up as well you might be able to get more with that trade exception and first round picks in the future this summer than you can now and it's an interesting question of whether boston feels like would we really be back in a championship contention if we get Harrison Barnes for Tristan Thompson is it worth it to uh, uh, kill all of our powder here uh, as well that's a question the other one that I actually like for Boston maybe more and again you know who knows what the, the Bulls are is if you could get Thaddeus Young for one first round pick and you'd probably want it to be this year's just so that the impact on your future trading ability is minimized mm-hmm. um but uh Tristan Thompson for Thaddeus Young don't burn the trade exception and this year's first round pick that's that would be an offer that I think I would make because I actually think it, the thing about Barnes and, and Evan Fournier falls in this category too although I don't think Boston is enamored of him but I I would like him there mm-hmm. is is Harrison Barnes even in your closing five if you're the Boston Celtics? Uh, huh. If when everyone's healthy, can you play? Can you yeah. play Harrison Barnes at five with that team? Is basically what you're asking, right? I I don't believe you can. I don't. He's really a poor help defender, and as your mm-hmm. biggest guy, you know, then you're you're because usually the way that those small lineups can work is yeah, you have a small center, but you have like positional size that's a little bit bigger at most positions, right? That was what was so good about yeah. the the Warriors, and you also have guys you know those wing players who have really good help instinct you have your Iguodala your Draymond Green that's why I think actually Thaddeus Young is more intriguing to me for Boston at least for this year than Barnes because you can play him at center switch everything more he's a a great one-on-one defender you could guard Giannis uh which nobody else would be able to do on their team like can you imagine that team going up against Milwaukee uh you know I I don't think he can hold up against Embiid necessarily but you know I think he he might be okay against KD as well so you're you've got the ability to go into a switching system uh you could play some four uh, as well if, if you had enough shooting on the floor and you're not you're not burning the trade exception and you're only burning one first round 
round pick in theory. You know, maybe they throw in a second or one of the young guys as well because Chicago seems very excited about competing for the play-in game this year. So you maybe I, have to I slightly think, bowl them yeah, over. I, I think they're just not a really trade-happy team either. Yeah, they're a trade sad team. A trade sad team. Yeah, <laughs> that that's that that was under the old leadership though. Uh, no, they they haven't made any <laughs> trades. They haven't done they haven't done anything. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, Otto Porter, I guess, was the last kind of big move that that they made. Um, and then, you know, they signed guys in free agency to it in 2019. So that would kind of be my thought for Boston: is do you really want to give up two first rounders for a guy who's uh, uh you know, I don't know that he is going to close games for you and yeah you know, it's it's good to have a lot you know full competence in your rotation throughout the game um you know nance would be another guy i would really target for boston i think i'd you know i'd be willing to give i would give up the two first rounders for nance before i would do it for barnes the other thing about barnes you know for the robert covington type package is he kind of makes double the money of robert covington which should be part of this calculation right yeah, I mean the money's declining, which is helpful. Um yeah. and he signed for two more years, which I mean that's big too. There aren't a lot of guys sure. who are signed for a number of years going out. Uh Nance is actually another one actually that you mentioned who's signed for two years after this. And I think that's a big deal for Boston, especially because they have the supermax kicking in for Tatum. They still have the max deal running out two more years on Kemba. Like they're they're taking a zero in the free agent market. It's just whatever they can trade for. So these next two years, having like a good cost-controlled player is really important for them. Now, the guy that I think to me would make a huge, Harrison Barnes would make a huge difference for is Miami. That's He would probably be my number one target as Miami. That's interesting. Because they like he can play that Jay Crowder role. To me, they like that hole, we've talked about this before, but that hole is just so massive in their rotation right now. And to just fill that, get somebody who can switch, who can shoot the above the break three, and like that just really opens up everything for them uh, on both ends of the floor. Yeah. What are they putting on the table though? Because their their draft capital isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the first pick they could trade is twenty twenty five first and available even, draft and, and yeah. And even then and the first available might end up being not available. Like, like that's a big risk to take on from Sacramento's end to be like, oh yeah, we think we'll get first available. Hope, hope Miami's good, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> that that yeah. oh, that pick Miami owes to OKC might not convey till twenty six. Now you could tell them to go back to OKC and say change the protections on that, so we were guaranteed picks in twenty five and twenty seven. Maybe maybe you could play ball on that then. Yeah, I, I mean, I I feel pretty good if I'm a team trading with. Miami that that pick is going to convey in 2023 I mean obviously you never know what could happen but I mean they got Bam Adebayo on this team they're a good destination they're they're not really a team that likes to intentionally tank at the start of the season they'll tank in season if it's not going anywhere right but but, uh, but they have so, if they if they don't make the playoffs you don't get in that one season you don't get two firsts Oh, oh, if they trade 25 and 27. No, clearly, I think one first is, uh, and a player is more realistic. Now, what do you see as the value of Kendrick Nunn? I think that's a really important question when we're talking about Miami. Well, for a team who already has De'Aaron Fax and Tyrese Halliburton, probably not huge, right? Like I like, gonna, I think you're just none... going to pay him like, you know, can you pay him like seven million to be your backup point guard? 
Well, I, I like the idea of him kind of being a combo guard. I think he's actually a pretty decent fit with both Halliburton and Fox. So he can be a third guard and you just you don't need a backup shooting guard then. You've just got both of those positions taken care of. So that's uh, – now, would I ascribe first-round value to Kendrick Nunn? Absolutely not. You know, I, mm-hmm. I would – like we were talking about earlier, I'd much rather have the pick than him. He's 25, 26. He'll need the new contract. I, I think with restricted free agency, you know, something in the 6 to $8 million range would probably make sense for him. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I don't see it as first-round value either. Uh, but I wouldn't mind having him as the Kings. right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that that's really interesting. And and again, if you're Miami, yes, Harrison Barnes helps you a ton this year, but you're you also have the opportunity cost of your cap space this summer, which, you know, the, I don't see anyone on the free agent market who would help them as much as Barnes. Uh, but Bar- Miami, Barnes helps more. Barnes helps more than Oladipo. Is it? Would, oh, yeah, that's that? that's true. But but do you want to give up on because if you make that trade for Barnes, you're probably giving up on getting Bradley Beal where you're hoping Tyler Hero and a couple of first rounders can get you Bradley Beal. Why can't um, why can't Barnes be part of the package for Beal if you have to salary match anyway? Well, but it, to a team that's trying to rebuild, Barnes doesn't have as much value as two future first rounders do. He can be part of the package. And, and maybe maybe Washington could flip him as well. I, I do yeah. think though you're you're hurting your chance to feel. But you, you make a good point that maybe it doesn't kill it entirely. Well, football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. I like it better when football is over, personally. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. In fact, Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's pretty good. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget the promo code locked on to let them know that you came from us. The average protein bar is quite terrible. It tastes like one of those layers of sedimentary rock at the top of the Grand Canyon. Built Bar has solved that problem, though. They are now up to 18 amazing flavors, six new ones: cherry bar, sia, cookies and cream, caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake. That goes with the 12 original flavors like raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter butter peanut butter brownie double chocolate mint brownie they taste so good because they're covered in 100 chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew but they are still great for the health conscious guy you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber great for a keto diet for example their peanut butter bar 19 grams of protein 180 calories 5 grams of sugar just 5 grams of net carbs and you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last go to builtbar.com and use the promo code lockdown the name of this network you get 20 percent off your next order that's promo code lockdown for 20% off at builtbar.com. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it, it, for Miami or anyone else you would be looking for there? Uh, in terms of a Harrison Barnes suitor? Uh, no, I'm saying like if it, if it's not Barnes, who else are you, you targeting? Oh, if you're Miami. Yeah, it's yeah. tough. I mean, I think they had their sights set on a lot of people who now are not going to be available. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Nance before. I think he's a harder guy to fit in Miami. Uh, Kyle Lowry in Miami would be kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the competition there. Uh, okay, looks like uh, there's a trade that actually just got made. 
right now, uh, Trevor Ariza for Myers Leonard, who wow. uh, will not be joining, <laughs> shockingly enough, will not be joining the, the OKC Thunder. Uh, but they may try to repackage uh, his contract. Let's see here. So it's uh, Trevor Ariza to the Heat for Myers Leonard, a 2027 second round pick. That's, That's pretty the good only price. one Miami had left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good price, actually. I think for for Ariza to just yeah, uh, and so it looks like the the market for him didn't materialize the uh the way it did for Memphis and Andre Iguodala last year, which is not a surprise. But yeah, yeah. that that's uh, so so that changes things for Miami, and I think I don't know that they are now totally out of the market for improving i think you can do better than that but i kind of like the fact that they're like okay we've got someone here that maybe can fill that role that you know if we don't get anyone else it's not the end of the world like being in that position is a better position than like man we're just desperate to have somebody right now yeah that i mean they could, they're at least in a little more of a position of strength now and it also it also signals to me that maybe i mean that leonard contract they were going to use in any of these other trades it also kind of signals to me that maybe they weren't that close on anything involving barnes or oladipo also interesting that uh, myers leonard was willing to uh waive his no trade which he had because he had a team option and would have lost bird rights i'm guessing that that was part of the deal when they decided to pay him nine million dollars that he didn't deserve at the start of the season yeah i'm i'm sure they clarified that could i i mean if myers leonard had scuttled the deal that would have been amazing uh, yeah i, I yeah. mean make him even more hated i mean that's like which would be yeah. difficult to do um yeah miami will not get its uh 4.7 million dollar disabled player exception which was going to be worthless anyway um yes uh so yeah that's uh i mean i think that changes things a little bit that that's interesting um and, and leonard could be salary matching potential for the thunder in a larger deal just to, to try and save somebody money i don't see anybody who's trying to save money right now though do you like somebody who's trying to get off of a contract for after this season you know usually you'll see those types of deals i don't see that kind of deal happening to you uh there's one guy i think who's out there who teams who team might be trying to get off of who's that eric bledsoe Yes, and it, and I guess in the uh, mock trade deadline, we did have that happen. But yeah, I mean, do you think they're trying to get off him, though, just to like clear the salary space or just because they don't think he's any good? Well, I, I think both things are happening. I they, they have a real issue with the tax there if they want to retain Lonzo Ball, uh, let, let alone Josh Hart. Uh, they didn't extend either of them. Bledsoe's making $18 million next year. Just looks much less dynamic athletic whatever word you want to use uh this year and he's 31 so that's uh that's a situation there um because he has that second year after like they could decide they're better off stretching him actually his stretch number is only going to be like four million interesting but if they i don't see that team being willing to pay the tax and they're really in a pretty tight spot right now financially going forward um with that you know that adams extension and then bledsoe's number at 18 is a problem hmm yeah, that Adams extension uh, is quite large. And, and, but I mean, it's very clear that Bledsoe does not fit. I mean, he didn't fit that well before the season. And now that they're playing this new way with Zion Williamson handling the ball, he's really a terrible fit there. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it torpedoed them last night when they started like out of the blue in the fourth quarter. They're starting there. They're like, okay, let's, we're up 15. Let's run some Eric Bledsoe pick and rolls and like, whoops. Hey, got to, got to start showcasing him whenever. <laughs> <laughs> One is watching, right? <laughs> 
Yeah. That, so that, so and, that, yeah. That, that's a salary dump. I see. Obviously, there's some low-level dumping that's going to go on with some of these teams that are near the tax line uh, that involve players that I think are not that interesting or sexy. So we're probably not going to spend a lot of time on them. But in terms of like yeah. a big dollar sign that a team wants to get off of, yeah, I, I see Bledsoe as the biggest one. So someone that I'm surprised doesn't really seem to have appeared that much in trade rumors. I, mean, I know Amick reported that he's kind of seen to be available for a rental. But uh, Evan Fournier doesn't really seem to be a ton of interest in him around the NBA. He has had an injury hit year. He's out again with this groin issue. I guess we don't know how serious that is. But I like Fournier as a fit in a number of places just because I think he's he's not amazing at any one skill, but he can really fit in around your main players. He's I think he's fine as a defender. You know, I think he can switch at least a little, but he's not going to just get completely steamrolled defensively. He can pass yeah. and he can shoot and, you know, can drive a little bit run a pick and roll on the back side and he's a good team player so I, i'm i would be interested to see him uh, on some teams you know i think he would be a nice fit in new york if they're looking to add somebody uh i think and maybe even he could resign there i think he would be a nice fit in philly if the lowry thing doesn't work out so, you know i would like him better there than danny green for example mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know i don't i don't know what philly would end up putting into that deal but uh, how are you approaching him if you're Orlando? I think if I'm Orlando, I am taking every phone call on Fournier because with their tax situation next yeah. year, I don't think they can keep him. And I don't think you necessarily even want to re-sign him and pay him into his 30s when you're in the position they're in. And so to me, you you need to take the best offer you can get for Fournier uh, within reason. I think... Like multiple good seconds or a late first, I think you have to pull the trigger on that. Yeah, multiple good seconds, huh? Yeah, so that that's really interesting. It, maybe it does end up being that. I, I would have thought that he is someone who might have like bad first round pick value, but if there's not could. a ton of competition for his services. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The problem is that most of the teams who would do a trade like that have already traded their bad first round pick. Yeah. What about Denver? A return to Denver for him uh traded for gary harris and and denver also gives up something to kind of account for the fact that well then then you uh if you're trading harris then you got that same tax problem for the magic going forward that you're talking about if they re-sign fournier what about uh with will barton i think you think barton opts out of does, uh, does barton opt million? out of that out of that 14 7 that's that's probably the biggest question right yeah, I, you know, Orlando, 14 million could be doable for Orlando. They could figure out some ways to do it. But I mean, just in terms of cash, like, do you want to be close to the tax for a team that's in a in where they are, as, as you put it? Yeah, well, I think I mean, ideally, what you want to do if you're Orlando is kind of set yourself up to come back up next year. I mean, I do think next year they're going to be under pressure to win realistically um, with as long as Weltman and Clifford have been there now. This year, you can sort of write off to the injuries. I think next year they have to win. And so, but they, they have to be smart about how they build to that too. I think, I think ideally what you want to do is trade Aaron Gordon for a real wing player, right? And have that guy move into Fournier's spot next year. And then Isaac comes back and plays the four and, and your pieces fit a lot better than, than they have these last couple of years. Yeah. That's what Josh Robbins was talking about of maybe they move Fournier and then they move Gordon 
Gordon to replace Fournier. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, Gordon, I mean, he is considered available. Hilariously, the Wolves are potentially going to get involved for him, it sounds like. Uh, But, uh, you know, I'm not sure what they have to trade at this point since they're out that pick already. I certainly wouldn't, as bad as the Wolves are, I certainly wouldn't want to be giving up another first rounder. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that one at all. Unless unless they think, you know, Jared Culver has trade value, which I'd be shocked if the answer was yes to that. I, I just yeah. don't know what they're putting in a, de- in a deal like that. Are they going to turn around and trade Malik Beasley? Like, I, I I would do that trade if I was Orlando. That's interesting. Maybe, the, I, honestly, maybe they should trade Malik Beasley. I, I would, I would, I might do that if I was the Wolves. Beasley, Beasley for Gord. I mean, they just have to get better defensively. And Anthony Edwards is a two, not a three. He needs to play the too he's starting to play better lately too i think they they kind of uh, moving him into that we haven't seen not any of these guys with russell obviously but the wolves are, are quietly playing a lot better now that chris finch has had a chance to kind of actually have a couple days of practice and, and install the system i, I mean, would i would play, consider playing that. a lot better is a pretty low bar but yeah 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 no that that's true but um well so what's what's your uh what's your threshold for moving aaron gordon if you're orlando uh, I would say my number one thing is to is I I got to get a real wing player out of this. Like I'm I'm not doing it just for draft capital because I have Gordon signed for next year. I could, I could trade him for a pick later if I had to. But if I can if I can reshape my roster like that that's the carrot to me. You know, can I trade him for a Malik Beasley? Can I trade him for you know a, a Kelly Oubre or something? And uh, not straight up maybe, but you know, can I can I can I make a deal like that that gets me a real wing player or a decent wing player and and another carrot on top of it and and really start on reshaping the team to to fit better um especially at the offensive end i mean you're already committed to a point guard who can't shoot and a power forward who can only sort of shoot with isaac so like you you really got to have that skill at the other positions you have it with vooch but you don't really have it at the two three yet yeah i think maybe it just to me orlando is just in like such a shit position right now because like the stuff that you're talking about it's like okay well so they do all that and now they're right back in the same position that they were the last two years and coming into this year where they're eighth seed father and i i mean they're doing all like why not just like keep the team that you have together <laughs> basically or or maybe you maybe you go to evan fournier and you say hey would you be interested in an extension that we would consider reasonable you know something about around your present money for three years after this maybe a non-guarantee on the fourth year and then you move aaron gordon because i you know I don't know who they're getting back who's better than Fournier. And then you just move Gordon and probably just do that for future draft capital. Um, That might be a thought for me and – uh, but it, obviously, you know, my real approach, like if I weren't in a position where I had pressure to win, would be. Yeah, you, you would everything. trade you would trade Vooch and start all over, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know that I would trade Vooch because I don't think there's the type of market for him. That's the I mean, problem. Maybe, like yeah. he's a good player under a good contract, but he's more valuable to the Magic than any other team. And yeah. we, that, that was kind of the issue we had actually with Zach Randolph, where his value specific to us, to, Tony Allen was kind of that way too. His value specific to us was so much more than his potential value to other teams in the trade market that it wasn't it was never that realistic to to talk about trades with them yeah and as you go through the list of teams 
of who really would be interested in Vucevic. Nikola Vucevic is another one of these guys who gets you into being exactly where the Magic were the last few years. And there are a few teams that are interested in getting there, but it's just difficult to imagine a higher ceiling than first round fodder when you've got Nikola Vucevic. You're just too limited defensively. And like you're not making the second round of the playoffs unless you have the ability to do something other than have your center stand out of the rim on every pick and roll. Right, right. That's where, yeah, you're really counting on Isaac coming back and being a terror next year yeah so i i mean i don't really think that there's that you i think the vooch era just has to kind of play out a, a little bit longer for now you know unless a team like charlotte wants to come with like two future first round picks yeah. right because one first round pick isn't really enough for you if you're orlando particularly if you have this pressure to win um vooch and, now vooch and charlotte is an interesting one i hadn't thought about that yeah i mean he's also like do you really want to give up future assets so you can pair a 30-year-old center with your 19-year-old future superstar? That's that's what KP pointed out uh, on the mock trade deadline. I, I feel similarly. Well, they already did it with Hayward, right? Well, I, exactly, I guess they right? didn't but, give up but, draft capital, at least. They, they just yeah, yeah. they just went out and signed him. And, and you know, or Charlotte can just go out and sign a $20 million guy, too. So they don't have to trade for that. Yeah, quick aside here, by the way, we are about eight minutes away here on Locker Room from letting you all jump in with uh, your comments uh, and questions. So go ahead and get those speaker requests uh, in the queue. John and I will be be finishing up the podcast portion here at the top of the hour. So two more guys I wanted to talk about. Sure. Here, Rashawn Holmes. Sacramento expiring contract five million extremely easy to trade for as I go through at least in my opinion you may disagree feel free to as I go through he to me is actually the best center who is realistically going to be on the market this offseason only 27 you know he can he's got that little push shot very good pick and roll player I think he's not a great defensive center but I think he's made himself into a decent one and he's got a little bit of scheme versatility not a ton but to me he's probably the you know I like him better than Drummond or Daniel Tice I don't see Ibaka going anywhere that's mm-hmm. basically it as far as like starting centers Montrose so Harrell th- would be I mean Montrose Harrell you can't you're, you're allowed to start the game with Montrose Harrell but do you do you look at him that uh, way uh no I would I would not be as a contending team I would not be interested in him as a as a starter just to his to his defensive and rebounding limitations so but but is there a team out there you think that you know what what is your thinking on I guess we'll start here what is your thinking on Holmes if you're Sacramento you're gonna have early bird rights on him this offseason my inclination would be to try to keep him because if I don't I have to go out and get another center and I like I'm not really well set up this summer to do that and and I think even if you're, you know, even if you're trying to take a step backward or whatever, like you, st- you still need real bigs out there to, to, to play, right? So, so I think yeah. you got to do something there. And the, they have plenty of room below the tax line to keep him and pay him. And then you can always do something with him later. The, the only thing that would cause me to maybe go away from that is if I know that I'm drafting a center, but. I don't know if this is the year for that. Like, even if Sacramento ends up in the top five, the only big there is Evan Mobley, and he's a he's a string bean. Like, he's a guy who may start out playing some four, even just waiting for his body to fill out. So, I'd I'd be inclined to actually hang on to him. Yeah, you mentioned that you have to have real bigs out there. The Kings have a negative zero point four net rating with Rashawn Holmes on the floor, and negative eleven point three when Rashawn Holmes is off the floor. He has been a a critical piece for them. They've actually been competitive 
competitive when he's been out there and very uncompetitive with uh Hassan Whiteside or Marvin Bagley or Chimzy Metu play, playing some center yeah now the most they can pay him is you know four years over 50 million with the early bird rights they're not going to have cap space likely to uh, go above that and he's not going to get more than that though is he I don't think he gets more than that and I think even if he's in a situation where he has an offer for more than that the Kings could come back with maybe a wink wink one plus one deal yeah where then you come back the next year as a full bird that I don't know if he's a guy who's worth doing that over, but I'm just saying you 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 at least have that as a potential thing on the table. But yeah, I mean, if if somebody's going to pay in in the mid teens for him over three or four years, yeah, you might you might have to you might have to just say sayonara at that point. Like, what do you think his trade market is though? Like, do you see them getting a first for him? Well, he's a guy that I'm probably higher on than a lot of teams would be, and I don't know that a lot of teams would agree with me that he is the best free agent center on the market uh you know i think toronto would he could really really help toronto a lot absolutely Uh, absolutely agree there yeah so you know would it be and and i don't know that toronto has like a bunch of seconds available would you know are you interested in like a terrence davis and a second you know is that is that enough to uh wet your whistle if if you're sacramento with Rashawn holmes i would i would say not yeah but a first would be right a first i think you have to you have to sit down and talk about that yeah yeah that might that might be a tough thing to pass up yeah and obviously if you're trading for Rashawn holmes you you have to have an understand. You'll get the early bird rights with him, but you kind of have to have an understanding. That you have to know that back. he wants to. Yeah, that he wants to resign there. Yeah, that that's kind of that's kind of the thought of of trading for him is that he's going to be part of what you're doing in the future. And you know, and as Toronto, and, and again, a lot of it depends on what happens with Lowry too. I'm trying to think of who else could. And Charlotte is the other one. Charlotte's the other one. I think, uh, although they could re they could sign him in the off season. But they're they're the actually nice- a dangerous team if you're looking at this. For from Sacramento's perspective, yeah. where they they're shown that they've shown they're willing to overpay for the right guy. But the nice thing, if you're Charlotte, is his cap holds only six point five million. So if you could re-sign him within early bird, you could still you could use sign cap somebody, space else somebody else too. Yeah, yeah. Um, would uh, Malik Monk interest you at all if you're Sacramento? I can't see. That. I mean, you're already you know where, where's he even going to worm his way into a twenty five minute role with the yeah. I, I mean, you probably you move on from Buddy is probably the idea there, which is more more easily done in theory than in practice. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when, it, when you're a bad team and you have guys who are overpaid, I think, you know, the lesson of Kevin Love and Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond and all these guys is if you're a bad team and you have guys who are overpaid, there's no point in trading them because you're not really trying to get better anyway. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and any of these, any of these other uh, free agents that you want to talk about here before we transition into the uh, Q&A portion? Uh, what about the four Spurs? So that's Aldridge. Patty Mills, Gay, and DeRozan. Yeah. I um, see this one playing out. It's hard because San Antonio has been pretty good, right? So, I mean, Aldridge obviously is going to be gone pretty soon, but those other three guys are playing and, the, you know, actually doing stuff for them. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, and they also never do. I mean, I don't think anybody wants to trade for LaMarcus Aldridge right now. Like, just uh, that seems like inevitably headed for a buyout. Yeah, yes, yes. I, I don't see much market for Gay this year either, just the way he's he, – he was he yeah. was good last year. He hasn't been as good this year. Patty Mills is interesting to me. Like, I can see a team like Dallas trying to make a run at him. 
Rudy Gay might be an interesting fit in Boston as well, just to, you know, another competent Liter- combo li- Literally type. any competent forward is an interesting fit in Boston, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, – yeah, I, I, it just it doesn't seem like not much is going to happen with San Antonio. San Antonio also so, hasn't made a midseason trade since Texas was a territory of, of Mexico, so <laughs> – yeah, back, back in uh, 1835. Yeah, I believe and, uh, that was the last <laughs> the one. Yes. Were founded, yeah. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get the locker room here. And the way we kind of want to do this, we try to make it more interactive. The ones that Danny and I have done, we'll, we'll do the same here. So give you guys a chance, ask your question, and then stick around. You know, if you want to react to what we're saying, get get a little bit of a, a dialogue going. So let's uh, get into the speaker requests. And uh, want to go first here with uh, Sean Coleman, since since you're a Memphis guy, I know you want to talk to John. John and uh, know you well here. Sean, you are on Locker Room with me and John right now. Uh, John, it's an honor. I mean, Nate, uh, good to talk with you again. John, I uh, have appreciated your work for years with the Grizzlies, so it's a pleasure to talk with you um, over Locker Room. Uh, just wanted to get the thoughts. I uh, First off, you know, the Grizzlies, I, I would love for them to make a move at this deadline with some of the guys that are out there, but I don't, it doesn't really make sense. Like, I don't think we're going to get anything for Gorgie. I think we're going to buy but John, I, you seem to value with with, with um, the different ways, you know, different valuations. You seem to definitely value DeAnthony Melton, mm-hmm. and I think that he's the best two guard there. Even if you don't start him, Taylor seems to want to start a shooter next to Jaw, which in theory makes sense. But I think that DeAnthony Melton, when you look at any of the analytics, he's the guy that produces the most value. My question is, we're going to eventually have to make a move for a wing. We hope we get that through the draft, but if it's in a trade, I think DeAnthony becomes our, our, our potentially our best trade ship on the level of a Brandon Clark, but I don't really want to give up a Brandon Clark. Just kind of, John, what your thoughts are as far as the Grizzlies go, either at this deadline or the summer, do they make that needed move to get the long-term wing next to John Jaron that they need to take the next step? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, you have Melton, who's under contract for three more years. You have Dylan Brooks, who's under contract for two more years. Uh, You have Winslow, who they brought in to hopefully be that wing of the future. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how that works out. They have a lot of optionality, but it's also, it's, a, you know, the trades in the eye of the beholder. Like you have to put yourself in the position of the other team. Are, are other teams beating down Memphis's door for DeAnthony Melton yet? I mean, I think he's still sort of, um, he's sort of like that indie band that hasn't gone mainstream yet. <laughs> and so I, I, I don't know that he, I, I, I don't know that he has that kind of cachet where he's going to bring back a high level starter uh, for the Grizzlies. And, I think in the meantime, he's a very productive sixth man for them. They're in an interesting situation, though. I I think you've analyzed the big picture correctly. Like they have like 13 or 14 probably rotation caliber players, but at some point they have to consolidate, decide who they're riding with, and kind of see if they can upgrade a couple of those positions. Because otherwise, you're sort of destined to stay in that in that 500 ish territory. So that, there's there's some interesting decisions coming there. Plus, you can't pay all these guys into their next contract anyway. So I think they have some really really interesting decisions coming up when you start getting into like this summer and the following season as far as what they want to do with these guys. It'd be great if we could see how they look with Jaron actually on the court. Uh, 
but it's 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 a tough it's a tough interesting spot for them because I do think there's some like three for one trade they have to look at uh, yeah absolutely but it's I'm I'm not sure what's totally out there right now either that they could jump on yeah I, I agree it's a tough fit and Nate thank you for having me up and hope you've been doing well also uh, the last quick thing that I'll ask is this is in identifying that guy that you hope justice is you know it looks like that pull up shooting once again as you know John from mm-hmm. being with the Grizzlies. You know, the self-creation with the shot is the one thing that really stands out. Is that the overwhelming skill that they need? Me and Nate talked about this on the podcast. It seems like that may be the overwhelming skill, but I also don't want to take away from the two-way opportunity that's worked with us with the improvement in Melton and Kyle Anderson's shot. Does that really stick out as the need in that wing or when it comes to the the creation with shooting? Or do you still kind of value two-way? I think Taylor Jenkins, he's shown preferences. Yeah, I I think if they had another perimeter player who was a really good offensive creator, that, that that's a thing that they could really use, especially – so the issue right now with John Morant is he's not that guy who's just going to launch off the dribble from beyond the three-point line, right? And so none of your three – none of your perimeter players are quite that guy. Uh, they have good standstill shooters, a few of them, but – Having a guy who can who can dribble into his three obviously is a completely different game, and and getting even if it's a bad defensive player, kind of that high level sixth man who can do some of those things, uh, which like that's not really in Tyus Jones's bag either, even though he's a pretty good backup point guard overall. That that that's a really interesting thing for these guys to develop. Like if Ja develops that on his own, then I don't think you need that as much from the other wing players because they're just going to be playing off of him, and and so then it's just catch and shoot. Guys like Bain and Brooks that, but if until I think having another guy who could who could create. It's a pleasure. Y'all have a great one. Thanks for y'all's great work. It was a pleasure talking. Th- to y'all. Thanks, Sean. Uh, let's get to Emil. Emil, you are on right now. Where are you? Compete. Uh, sorry, for some reason I'm not able to unmute you. Oh no, we got you now. Um, we can okay. hear you. All right, sorry about that. Uh, you know, you guys were talking about Celtics and their likelihood to compete uh, for a championship. I mean, frankly, the, the team is disjointed. They have no flow. Uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I think, have demonstrated when they lose the point guard, they play better. Isaiah Thomas went down, they went to the conference finals. Kyrie Irving went down, they went to the conference finals. They didn't have Kemba last year for most of it, they went to the conference finals. And every time they insert one of these scoring point guards, the team just gets herky jerky. So, do you feel like the Celtics should just blow it up uh, with Kemba and make do and go after like Alonzo and somebody that's got flow? Thank you. So, so here's my my thought on that, Emil. I I don't quite agree with you um, as far as how things have worked with the point guard. I mean, Kemba. I mean, I, I guess when you say you they lost him, that he was injured, and you know, I, I'll give you a chance to rebut here. Obviously, um, I think that they actually looked the best, even going back to the playoffs when Kemba was limited. I think they looked the best when Kemba initiates, and then they can get the ball to either Tatum or Jalen and let them attack against a little bit more of a scrambled defense. I like the Kemba initial pick and roll and you know not even necessarily to score but just to get under the rim get some penetration and kick out because I think they are missing that ball movement initially like Kemba and or I'm sorry uh, Jalen and Jason Tatum those guys are going to kind of look for their own shot first most of the time and Kemba is not a classic pass first point guard but I think at this point in his career he can get into playing that role a bit more but just to get the ball moving around 
even if he's not necessarily setting up the assist. So I, I, I think they look at their best when Kemba is the guy initiating and maybe he's not perfect in that role, but it's also tough because he's a good player. If you're trading him, you're trying to get other good players. You're not trying to get future assets and generally good player for other good player at a different position. Those trades and John, you can weigh in here too. Those don't really seem to happen. It usually seems to be present asset for future assets. And I don't know that that really helps the Celtics a lot, nor do I think that with the state of Kemba's game and his contract that he's really a positive uh, asset. Uh, what do you think here quickly, John, before we let Emil get back in? Yeah. So that, that's the biggest thing to me is that the train has already left the station in terms of they're on the hook for 36 for Kemba next year and 37 the year after. And I don't think other teams want to be in that situation. So I, I think trading him for plus value contract is probably not on the table at this point. Uh, so the, the, the bed has sort of been made already in that sense. Yeah. Any reaction to that, Emil? Yeah, I guess my reaction is the Celtics are, you know, they, they hard capped themselves this year intentionally because they knew they needed to reset the luxury tax clock. So by trading Kemba, my thought is don't go for full value. Just get out from under that contract, uh, and see if you can get somebody that'll facilitate for the rest of the team because the rest of the players besides Jalen and Jason, they need facilitation. So that's my thought. I appreciate you guys giving me an opportunity to contribute. To yeah. Th- thanks, Emil. Uh, great question. And the one thing I'd add to is Marcus Smart is been out for so long here and everyone talks about his defense that's obviously his primary contribution but i think he's also really important as a passer and ball mover he may actually be the best passer that they have right now and the other thing too is you know maybe you can make a move for someone who can add some passing to your team and and just a a little bit of ball movement as well so i'm i'm bullish on the celtics i think that they're they're going to be heard from this year so far whether they make a, a move or not uh why don't we get into uh rob here questions um firstly do you see the clippers sticking with the same starting lineup provided that they're healthy throughout the playoffs i just have a hard time seeing going with Kawhi and paul george as your three wings that having enough girth against a lot of the teams will match up in the west like uh, outside of utah um with the suns the lakers like there's a lot of teams but i think they might need a bit more physicality to move morris into line so do you see that happening or just sticking with the same rotation you know they did just make the move to get uh marcus morris into the starting lineup uh, for Batum uh you know Ibaka is, is at the five then obviously they got Beverly with, when he comes back I think that's probably the their best group what do you think John uh I think you could you could argue for Zubats maybe uh I I do think they're they're better with Morris I it's funny though you you, you already know what their adjustment was going to be after they lose their first playoff game right <laughs> they're either going to flip Batum Morris or they're going to flip Zubats Ibaka right like the, the, like those are the two adjustments they basically have on the table in in, in a playoff series so uh I and honestly like the who finishes like they always say is much more important than than who starts I do think when you get in the fourth quarter of a playoff game you're gonna play you're probably gonna have Morris at your five against as your five against a lot of these teams maybe not against the Lakers uh and, and it'll be Morris and Batum out there potentially yeah, I even think against Denver or Phoenix, though, like you're going to have Morris at the five against Jokic or Aiton. That, that just seems like you're setting yourself up for a real lack of rim protection and post defense against those guys. Yeah, there there is a, I think, a, a matchup dependent quality to it. Like against Utah, for example, I really don't like Zubats at all. I think they need to have a lot of stretch uh, against them to uh, cause problems for Rudy Gobert like they did at the end of, of that matchup uh, in the last month or so, right before the break. Um, or maybe that 
goes out to the break. I can't remember. But in any event, yeah, obviously Denver, you got problems to guard Jokic, but you also want to make Jokic guard as well. And I think may, probably what you're thinking with Jokic is we got a double team anyway. So we might as well just like just deal with that and we're just going to outscore them on the other eye. And I think that there is some thought there, though, that that is not a great matchup for you. Uh, and, you know, Zubats could be okay against Jokic. I, Ibaka is actually like a weirdly terrible post defender. So you're probably double teaming unless you got Zubats. Maybe you give Zubats a, an opportunity, but you know, I think you make a good point there uh, that it is very matchup dependent. Uh, thanks for that question, Rob. Uh, Noah says he has a Spurs question. Noah, you are on uh, with me and John. No, we cannot hear you yet. Uh, you're still muted, Noah. Maybe uh, unmute yourself. Put in the no in Noah. <laughs> All right, uh, I, I will get back to you, Noah, if you're able to uh, to unmute later. Sorry about that. Um, let's go for Connor. Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yes. Awesome, thank you. So I had a quick uh, Celtics question. I know that somebody else had already asked, but um, I have sort of like three quick questions. So one is I'm wondering how you guys see some of the value of the young guys, um, like an Aaron Neesmith or Romeo Lankford. Um, I'm also wondering what you guys think about um, their options going into the trade deadline. Obviously, they're looking. Um, they need a wing, probably a four. Um, I've had my eye on Otto Porter, guys like that. Um, and then lastly, um, like what what you guys sort of see as an ideal um, trade for the Celtics to make if they were able to do it. What do you think, John? Well, I guess let's let's start with their young guys because I like I don't think Neesmith or Langford has much trade value at all right now. Um, certainly, you're going to be getting pennies on the dollar from where they were picked. And in some sense, that's normal. Like dr- draft picks, I always use the new car analogy that they go down in value as soon as you drive them off the lot. Teams value the optionality of what they could do with the pick more than the actual player you took with that pick. Um, and that only changes if the player turns out to blow up. Like, you know, if the player turns into Jason Tatum, then great. <laughs> then then teams will value that much more. But uh, so, yeah, I, d- I don't see a lot of trade value with those guys. I think Time Lord of their young guys might have the most trade value, but he also scares teams a little because the intel on him was so bad coming into his draft year. I, I, I don't see them getting much of anything for the other young guys. Yeah, you kind of you kind of answered your own question by saying, "Hey, what's the value of these young players?" And hey, they clearly need to make a trade. And how do how do I replace? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right. That's a, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I mean, I, I think you're you're, def- you're definitely on to, to something there. Um, anything else uh, you wanted to say there? Yeah, just I mean, what what do you guys see as an ideal move for them to make going forward? Um, obviously they're not where they need to be, and a lot of us in Boston are talking about how the window's sort of open now, and you know you don't want the next couple of years to go by wasted and yeah. you know n- you never know what's going to happen in the future with Jalen and Jason so um to me I mean the two guys that I would love for them are Larry Nance and Thaddeus Young uh I would I would probably yeah. be willing to give up two first round picks for Larry Nance uh, assuming that he was healthy also his low salary really helps with your future luxury tax bills um and and I like him better than Young too because he can shoot so Nance could play four and five both those guys are, are good passers and ball movers which is nice uh both of them probably give you someone to guard Giannis although Young is a little bit better there but Nance is younger obviously he also may be someone that you could potentially extend uh Nance can also play some be a pick and roll finisher for you so closing games with either Nance or 
more young at the five, I think that could really transform their team quite a bit. And you've got to still count on continued development from Tatum and, and Brown, obviously. But th- those are the moves that I like. Any for you, John? Yeah, Harrison Barnes is the other guy we yeah. talked about. And they, I mean, they're just so bad at the at the two, three, four when any of Smart, Tatum, Brown are not out there. Um, I, I, I think you upgrade those minutes so much. Uh, and Barnes is signed for two more years, declining money. He makes more than Nance or Young, but I, I think it's still fairly reasonable. And then the other thing with any of those deals, you got to get Tristan Thompson out of there. You got to get that 9.7 off your book next year. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys. All right. Noah is back. We're going to bring him in right now. Hey, can y'all hear me? Indeed. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry about the uh, technical difficulties. So I just had a quick San Antonio question. I mean, clearly they have some intriguing young guys. Uh, you know, they have a bunch of, I mean, solid veterans. I wouldn't say excellent veterans, maybe outside of DeRozan. But if you were San Antonio's front office, what would you be looking to do? Because I don't know that they necessarily have a definitive direction that they're heading in. They're clearly not a contender. Uh, you know, they're not like a bottom lottery team. So, so guys, and do you think they even have someone on their team as those young assets that could be you know, a building block? Well, I can't argue that they're in a really interesting spot because it's, I mean, it's not like they suck. I mean, they're a pretty good team, right? But there's just nobody there that you see as like the the centerpiece of a perennial playoff team going forward. Uh, on the other hand, they're looking at like 50 million in cap room next year. So the, potentially they could do a lot of things. They have these expiring contracts and they're not going to get anything from Marcus Aldridge, but, um, you know, could they get something for Patty Mills? Would that, would that be something they should be looking at? Uh, is there a package they could put together to bring in some, some higher level talent? You know, we talked about John Collins earlier, potentially for San Antonio. Like, could they make a run at him this summer or could they try to trade for him right now? So they have his restricted rights already. Uh, I think they're in a really interesting spot. And then the undercurrent to it all, obviously, is are they trying to send Pop out with a playoff team or is he going to be there a while longer? Like, what are his intentions? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as someone who who covers the team for SB Nation, I think as long as Pop's there, uh, they've made it pretty clear that they're going to try to win. Uh, and even if they know that they're not going to win a title, they're going to try to be competitive. So I guess I, I just wanted y'all's take on on you know what direction you thought they should go in because and, and I know that's kind of a loaded question, but uh, you know clearly I'm and I love Demar Derozan, but I don't think Demar Derozan is that guy who takes you to a title. Uh, and he's their best player right now, so I think you're both right. Yeah. You know, they're in an, a unique situation. And in terms of uh, you know, you said there was no building block and i tend to agree do you think there's anyone who has the potential to be like a number two guy on on a championship team could that be a Dejounte murray could that be a keldon johnson i mean i like johnson i like murray i like devin vassell are any of them going to be good enough to be like jalen brown level good you know i'd probably bet against that all right thanks that, that was some good spurs talk there uh we're gonna go to maxwell now and then uh gs dub uh and then colin reed uh will be after him so that'll probably close us out here let's uh let's get to maxwell how are you doing nate how you doing today what's up man doing great 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 uh john i really enjoyed your your piece for the athletics sort of about i'm a, I'm a charlotte Hornets fan um so i obviously enjoyed that piece you did with about kind of lamello's um tracking in terms of uh y- you know some of the 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 stats that kind of track along with the lucas and the bronze of the world and some of the great sure. seasons um, so I, I just want to get your, your opinion on like if you feel if you think that um you know he'll be able to sustain that and if that if it's legit um and if it, it'll track for the rest of the year. I mean, yeah, I think he I think he's legit, absolutely. Now the question is, is he just because you have the same stats as a 19 year old as a bunch of great players doesn't automatically mean you become a great player too. 
So, you know, can can he get to the level of being a perennial all-star? Yeah, I think he probably could. Can he get to the level of being one of the five best players in the league? Mm, I, I don't know. I You know, that I think very much remains to be seen. And that really impacts just how much, you know, how fun this ride is going to be over the next five or 10 years. Is, is he, you know, is he going to be just like top 15, top 20 player in the league good? Or is he going to be like perennial MVP candidate good? But the, the fact that you're asking these kinds types of questions this early is an awesome sign what do you think nate yeah uh he's just such an odd player right i I mean just his his shooting form his size his handle the incredible vision that that he has he's kind of he's just almost this savant in terms of his feel for the game even though i don't think he has like a great understanding of just like the league and the personnel and all that but he just i obviously has a (laughs) great the rules yeah Yeah, like all of that yeah but he has like unbelievable natural feel also so I don't yeah. want to put a ceiling on him, uh, but you still you say, all right, is is he going to be that good of a scorer to where? Because that's what he's going to have to be, right? I mean, if he's not averaging, you know, probably over twenty a game and being efficient, it's hard to be a top five player these days. So I think he can definitely get there. I'm thinking more kind of the perennial All Star level, uh, and obviously, you know, as a Hornets fan, it's just a lot of fun to watch him. What do you think, Maxwell? It's super fun to watch. I, I was really. Um, I, I was, I mean, since we, when we got the third pick in the lottery, I was really just kind of thinking of, and this would be really cool if we were able to get him. Um, yeah. At the yeah you, you were, and, you, you were praying that Minnesota the, and Golden State would fuck it up. Yeah. I, I was, <laughs> to, 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 to use a, um, LeVar ball term, I was speaking it into existence. I was like, this just makes perfect sense. Charlotte's, Charlotte's not, not number one. So they're not going to, you know, overthink themselves and, and pick somebody else. They're going to, LaMelo's going to fall to their lap and I'm, I'm happy it happened that way just you know like you guys said he's an exciting player on the court but also I think off the court it's just really good for you know us as a small market to get that attention that you know he brings from from a national TV standpoint and you know like like he's like you know Jordan said like everyone else has said he's he's exceeded expectations so gotta be happy with with where we're at now and um yeah hopefully we'll I mean we'll see where it tracks but I I, I thought it was just a really cool um you know comparison and he's and he's doing some great things this year so it's, it's exciting to see all right uh thanks for that maxwell let's get to uh gs dub gs dub you are on right now hey guys thanks for having me so long time warriors fan they're they're not going to make any noise in the in the title contention this year but i think they're at a franchise inflection point and i'd love your opinion so if they want to do make any noise next year when clay's back uh they're going to have to bring Ubre back i imagine Ubre is coming back for around 20 million they're at 165 committed next year so Ubre two first round draft picks if they keep theirs and get minis plus bringing jessup over pushes them nearly to hundred million dollars in the salary cap if i'm doing the math right on that a 6x penalty puts the the luxury tax at 300 million dollars so two questions one do you think lakeup actually eats that bill and two particularly for john here what does it say about the nba if a team can have a half billion dollar salary structure in a league where 21 teams have to stay under the uh the luxury tax well, well i'll take the first part and john can take the second part um yep. i think 20 million a year is probably more than it will take for Ubre, I'm not sure that I see a team out there that's going to pay him that much. I think he'll be more kind of in the same range that he's in now. They'll also probably move on from Looney, I would imagine. 
imagine in some form or fashion uh you know there's other things you can do as well where you just move guys at at the deadline after you paid them for most of the season so they they can get that tax bill down a little bit obviously also getting the minnesota pick is not assured we don't know where their own first round pick is going to be you could also very easily see them trading their own first round pick uh, as well so uh you know I, i don't know that it's assured to be that high much also depends on getting the fans back and i think you know there is a thought i mean number one lake is extremely competitive but number two the chase center prints money for playoff games and when this team is really really good and i think when you throw in how competitive he is and also the idea that they need to be able to sell tickets at a really premium level and to sell playoff tickets at a really premium level to truly reap the, the rewards of chase center you know 500 million dollars maybe not three hundred million you know 350 yeah I, I i could see that happening but uh uh john what do you think about the second part of his question about just you know how that uh relates to the league as a whole I actually think the luxury tax penalties, the way they are, are really good because in a small market like like Memphis, what it allowed us to do was like like basically we would make money because Brooklyn was spending so much because that luxury tax payment gets split among the other 30 teams. I'm sorry, half of it goes to the league and half of it gets split among the other 30 teams. So there were years where it basically took us from the red to the black. And certainly if the Golden State ends up paying that kind of luxury tax bill, you're going to see a lot of small market teams that are actually completely okay with that because they're going to be able to hire like two more scouts or like, you know, do other things that they might not have been able to do otherwise because they have this financial influx. So I think the luxury tax system is actually working the way it is intended. It is kind of stay afloat, even though it puts them at a competitive disadvantage in some ways, that money that pours in prevents what I would consider worse things from happening in those markets. All right. Appreciate it, folks. Thank you. Yeah. The one thing I would add to that, though, I think I think it's still from a competitive standpoint, maybe helps the big markets too much because there are some teams that under this tax can feel like they can never go into the tax at all. Whereas under the dollar for dollar tax, you would see teams like Memphis or Indiana could go in every once in a while if they really were felt like they could get into championship contention. So I might be in favor of changing it to where it's just dollar for dollar for the first 10 million. And then it ramps up extremely quickly after that. I think that would be a good, happy medium between allowing some small market teams to go into the tax when it's truly warranted and also still Mm -hmm. saying, hey, if you're going to just go batshit crazy like Joe Lacob or Mikhail Prokhorov and Josai, then all right, everyone else gets to treat the benefits of that. All right, we got time for one more question here. We'll we'll try to make it fast as we are running out of time. Uh, Colin Reed, welcome on. Hey, guys. How's it going? All right, what do you got for us, Colin? Uh, I'll make a twitch because I know you guys are already out of here. But basically, I want to know what the Thunder have to do to avoid being in the happy medium of not having a top lottery pick and not necessarily making the playoffs, basically being in limbo like the Magic are right now or how the teams are. I mean, we saw them last night go on a 22-3 run against the Bulls with the team of Moses Brown, Kendrick Williams, Teo Maladon, Alexei Pokashevsky, and Darius Miller, who are all like borderline NBA players right now. So like, what do they have to do to like commit to one side? Fire Mark Dagnall. He's doing too good of a job. Get get rid of him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think your your backstop against that is the what seventeen first round picks over the next seven years. 
some of the teams that uh, owe them picks are going to be bad at some point, I think. Although it certainly would be nice if they could be bad enough to get into the Cunningham sweepstakes. And also, they've just been lucky this year, too. Like, if they just had were playing uh, in terms of luck to their point differential, then I think they'd be right down where they kind of, quote-unquote, want to be. Uh, any thoughts there, John? And I, I still think they're going to end up there at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know if I'd be sweating this one too much. All right, awesome. I have one more like small sure. question. What are the chances that the Thunder actually get the Houston Rockets pick this uh, season? Fifty percent, basically. Well, I think the Ro- <laughs> yeah, I mean Maybe the Rockets are going to be in the bottom four, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're projected bottom four right now, and then it's top yeah. four protected. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe they'll turn it around a little bit. Maybe Christian Wood is, is just that good. Uh, but you have to imagine that that moves, uh, are coming. By the way, John, uh, before we go, how amazing is it that like we didn't even discuss Victor Oladipo in like an hour long discussion at the trade deadline? Like that he's fallen that, that far, that fast. Him, him and Al Horford are the two guys that I'm having trouble finding a market for. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, the mock trade deadline, we ended up with him going going to Dallas for uh, James Johnson for salary matching and Josh Green. And I mean, I think that's probably about a, a reasonable uh, return for him. Uh, all right, that's uh, that will do it. This is a fun hour and a half, though. We're going to be back pretty much every week at this time, uh, 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific on Locker Room, where we'll just do the first hour or so as our normal podcast and then take questions for about a half hour or so. Uh, thanks again for uh, all of your great questions. And uh, if you didn't get in this time, we apologize. We had a, a lot of really good ones, but we like to get in depth here and uh we'll be back every week so you you get a chance to get in early next time uh really appreciate y'all joining and talk to you next week at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.